I'm so excited. You have Reverend Ike, Pastor Ike here. I missed him at our service. Oh. Actually, we were with the Ramoses. We had it was right before camp meeting, and we my pastors were my pastor was here from Florida, and we said you got to go see the Ramoses' new house. So we swung by, and there was Pastor Ike. I said, Oh my gosh, I didn't know you're here from Nigeria. I said, oh, how long are you here? Oh, well, and he kind of gave me his schedule. And then he said, um, I said, well, everybody has you booked. You never tell me when you're coming from overseas. And everybody else in California knows but me. So I said, uh, when are you going to be? I, I'll be back up here. And I go, oh, my gosh, that's the week I'm going to be gone. And I said, can you preach in the church? I almost didn't even want to ask because I wasn't going to be there. So um, I was so glad he's here. Y'all are so blessed to have him this week. You don't want to miss that service. I might just have to drive up here since I missed ours. He's one of my family's, oh, sorry, favorite preachers, favorite ministers. And so um, uh, I'm, I'm really honored that Pastor would ask me. We're really passing through and going home uh, on our way, gone 11 days. We started out. San Francisco, those are my favorite ORU students right back there. Raise your hand, all the ORU students. Y'all are a nice surprise this morning. Um, does your dad know you're here? Does he know you're here? Oh, your mom does. I know. She's my adopted, my new adopted family member is his mom. Uh, but they came, y'all bless me coming this morning. It's good to see your faces. We started the week together, now we're going to end. Uh, but this family, we've been, I, I married my husband 15 years ago, and these guys were already there. I told my son this week, I said, look, buddy, I'm late to the party. So there's a lot of people, he's asking me all these questions about the, the churches we're going to. I said, I'm late to the party. I'm I have been around 15 years now, but I was a little later because some of these guys have been connected with our family for long, long time. Uh, I don't know how many years y'all have. Y'all were well before me, I thought. You weren't? Are Really? Gosh, I feel, feel like y'all were. I feel like I've seen these girls forever, the kids forever. Miss Chelsea's with me. Chelsea, stand up. Cash, Kennedy. I won't give her age, but they're, they were well before me. Uh, and uh, Pastor, I know Pastor Lorena and, and knows your pastor real well. And her family's been, what, almost 30 years. So she knew my husband when he was a little punk. <laughs> Just serving. We were talking about this week, serving, doing the parking lot with the stick and the vest on. Uh, she remembers him and then her brother and then we're close. Her two brothers and my husband were kind of running around, running the parking lot together, running to the beach before the conference. There's a lot of stories there. So now her children help me raise my children. Uh, so that's what it means to be part of the family of God is there's always a supply and that supply is not always financial. Uh, that supply oftentimes comes uh, via the people. When God wants to bless your life, you can't just look to the natural. you got to look to the people and the divine connections that he's given you. And oftentimes people miss what God is doing and what God has for them because they miss the people that God has for them. 
and how we treat, as pastor's talking about, how we treat one another, it will affect what you can receive from God. Um, and so I appreciate how my, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, how they honored, have always honored people. My father-in-law used to say, even Ministry of Helps is an honorable office and helps hold up those five-fold ministry gifts. And they valued every gift, but they especially uh, had a call to help ministers' families. And, uh, and to, to not just the, the husband and the wife or the ones in the lead, but the children as well. And we just picked up that assignment. And uh, so your pastors are so important to us and their children are so important to us. Ministers, kids are especially near and dear to my heart because that's what we feel like part of our assignment is. And so we love, we've got, we had Olivia come of course to the Bible school. Now we'll have Sophia. She's getting married, lots of changes. But uh, she she's marrying the young man she's marrying is basically he's like another kid. Like I feel like when he's in our home, he's another child of mine, even though there's not I feel like the age difference isn't much. But uh, I take care of him like my own. And, and his sister is is one of my my most dearest and bestest and closest friends. And so we're fit. We all fit. There's a place for everyone to fit. You've got to find your fit. And I learned early on, my pastors knew that uh, Dad Hagen was their spiritual. They went to his Bible school. They came out of a, denom- a Pentecostal denomination. And they never left until Dad Hagen went home. They never left that fit. So it, I, I served in the same church for 20 years. So I married uh, my husband. My parents have been there now for I'll be 36, so almost 40 years serving in the same church. My mother as the secretary now for over 30 years. Uh, So all I know is faithfulness. That's it. I don't know anything else but faithfulness. And that when somebody comes, God brings somebody into my life to to teach and to guide my life, everything I need, and I I said this this week that in, uh, in, in Merced, every pastor... Uh, Every minister, those called to that minister, there's enough anointing for every individual called to sit under their ministry, to feed and to care for them. But oftentimes, it's the responsibility of the sheep to press into that, to make a draw on that anointing, to make a draw on that gift. Amen. And so it's just an honor to be uh, still fit with those. And it's good to see the faces we saw at the youth conference. We had a good time at the youth meeting. Those, I believe those meetings are online on Facebook. I don't know where all the Mercedes got those posted. Uh, but my husband preached the majority, the, the two of the three night meetings on healing. And man, if you did not watch those or were not there, you need to, I'm telling you, your homework is to go listen to those sermons on healing they were fire uh powerful i mean really i i told pastor debbie i said fire you was shooting out of his eyes i haven't seen him like that in a long time so you need to go watch those uh services on healing uh excellent teaching on healing and really preaching i would say more or less some preaching on healing so this morning i want you to turn with me to romans chapter 12 
I told Miss Chelsea last night we didn't go to bed every night till I think one o'clock. We were staying at the Simon's house. Then we'd get up early, and I said, I don't feel you're running on so little sleep, but the anointing's on you, and so uh, you just keep going. I said, I can tell I'm not done yet. We're not done yet. Uh, so uh, hadn't checked quite settled and checked out yet because God had been uh, even giving me more to add to this service this morning. Romans chapter 12. Verse 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You're either going to take to heaven uh, a sound mind or a squirrely mind. <laughs> That's true. You, the mind you have on this earth is the mind you're going to take with you to the other side. You don't get an automatic renewed mind when you go to heaven. And this is something we think because we're going to get a new body that we're going to get a new mind. You're not going to get a new mind. You will take with you the same mind that you have. Now there's going to be some light that comes once we cross over to the other side that will come instantly. But your mind, the forever job of the believer... The continual assignment is to renew your mind. You never get done renewing your mind. Most uh, believers, the reason their life looks the way it does, not, be, not to be critical, the reason it looks like in a mess, the reason one believer's life looks different than another believer's life, simply has to do with what they've done with their thought life. It does not have to do with where they came from, their education, how much money they have, where they got their start, how long they've been in the church. Length of time in church and being born again does not determine how far you can go with God. You could come here today, get saved, and make an all-out effort to renew your mind in the Word of God, and by the end of the week, your life can look completely different than it did at the start of the week. The power of God, you know, there, God does not give us and ask us to do anything he has not already empowered you to do. Now, he's not empowered. He's provided power to the unsaved to get saved. He's provided power. What is that power? That's the Holy Spirit being uh, poured out on this earth uh, to minister to the hearts of men and to draw them unto salvation. Not only that, the anointing and the power on the believer for the ministry of reconciliation. So there is still power flowing to the unbeliever to make uh, a draw and to receive Christ. But the believer has been empowered for everything that you see you're supposed to do in the scripture. Everything in the scripture that it says for you to obey and for you to do, there is already empowerment there for you to fulfill that. And this is what we think. We've got to wait on something to change. We've got to wait on a feeling. Empowerment is not a feeling. It's by faith. So when he says, I beseech you that you present your bodies, you are empowered to present your bodies a sacrifice. You are empowered to live with your body holy unto God, acceptable to him, not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
This morning I want to talk about the transforming of our mind to a place where we never have to worry about anything again. That is possible. Amen. Worry, the Holy Ghost said this to me, worry is the bondage you place on yourself. A b- unbeliever, worry is part of their makeup. The believer, worry was not given as part of your makeup. That is something we choose and we bind ourselves is to the sin of worry. When you got born again, you were delivered from poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. Our redemption is threefold. Of course, I love something Pastor Cody said this year at our camp meeting. He said, redemption is basically a package that has a package and another package and another package. We will spend our entire life unwrapping the packages of the provision and the goodness and the blessing of God. That is the joy of the believer is to keep going uh, in the goodness of God. It never stops. What is the scripture? Pastor Nancy, one of her favorite scriptures that she reads it, uh, is where it talks about we have been given everything that heaven itself enjoys. Well, we can never in this lifetime know all that heaven itself enjoys. We're, we're going to continue in that once we leave this place. But I want you to understand that today you don't have to bind yourself to the sin of worry. You have been delivered from sickness. You've been delivered from uh, uh, poverty, from lack, from never having enough. You've been delivered from that. But what keeps us suffering with that is really the bondage of worry. It's not the bondage of the illness. It's not the bondage of sickness. It's not the bondage of I don't have enough. You're not bound to that. You were set free from that. How do we suffer from that? Why do Christians suffer? Is because of the bondage of worry. They've let themselves and allowed themselves to be bound by worry. I, I said this to our congregation and I've been preaching this. What happens when a child, a baby begins to cry because they're hungry, because they have a need. What is that? That's them crying out because that need is not being met. They're in a panic. The baby is in a panic state of I need something and I'm not getting it. So I'm going to do all I can. Worry is the first thing that a human being learns to cooperate with. Fear and worry. Human nature, the first response as an infant is to call out and to cry and have an emotional, what is that, an emotional response to a need not being met. How many times have we found ourselves in an emotional response, right, to a need that has not been met? When did we learn that? Human nature. Human nature. But we're not called to live conformed to human nature. We're called to live transformed to the word of God. So I want you to see, uh, don't beat yourself up. As as the Spirit of God is ministering to us this morning uh, through the Word, don't beat yourself up if you say, I have been in this habit, this bondage of worry. Know this, that starts very early. From a very young age, the natural response, especially, you know, with men, oftentimes it's the natural response to providing for the family is a worried response worried and it comes out not through crying but through worried actions to try to meet the need amen 
You know, as a mother, I've got two of my kids here today. Nanny Cake, wave your hand. Are you awake? <laughs> Come here, Bear. You, they can see your sweet face. Come here, Nanny Cake. Come here. Say good morning. Tell everybody good morning. Good morning. All right, go sit down. As a mother, uh, I can just say personally, the first response, the first place of worry for me is with my children. That's where the enemy tries to get in, that I am going to miss something with my children, that the enemy, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he first comes to steal your thoughts. If he can't steal your thoughts, he can't destroy your life. If he can't steal your thoughts, he can't destroy your life. People think he can come and he's going to try to steal from my life. He's going to try to steal from your thought life first. If he can't steal from your thought life. What about if he can't steal from your thought life and thinking wrong about the people he's brought into your life? If he can't steal your thought life about money, if he can't steal your thought life uh, uh, about the divine connections he's brought you to, if he can't steal your thought life uh, regarding sowing uh, and, and, and receiving the harvest, if he can't steal your thought life regarding the word, then he can't steal from you. So if we guard, stop, uh, you know, as a mom, I had to learn early on, I can't, if I take a thought, then what it'll do is it'll take my action to try and act out to keep me from that, to keep that thought from manifesting in my life. The thoughts always manifest into actions. But if he doesn't get me in the thought, then my actions will remain in faith. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, but faith is released through word and action. Fear comes through thoughts, hearing suggestions, hearing what's going on in the world. But faith is still, or fear is still released through word and action just the same. Just the same. So as a mom, I have to watch myself. Are my actions actions of faith? Or have I somewhere along the way joined myself to the bondage of worry and I'm acting in worried thoughts because of worried thoughts to try to protect my children. Does that make sense? We have, to, we have to know what arena. At every stage in your life, it's going to be something different. Okay? But we can still become skillful at each stage. So this is part of being transformed is we're not binding ourselves to that fear and to, that, or to the sin of worry. Uh, worry, uh, like we said, is the first thing we are taught to conform to. You know, uh, immorality, uh, uh, gossip, you know, wrong attitudes. That's not the first thing we are, are trained as human beings to conform to. It's worry. Amen. Uh, you're limited only by the level of your transformation in life. That is your only limitation is your thought life. Uh, <clears throat> Worry, when we worry, we are placing more value, time, and effort on our human thoughts than God's thoughts. When you take a worried thought, now Dad Hagen defined for us what true worry was. If you're worried about something, then you're thinking about it. 
How do I know? Think about what you're facing today. And it may not even be, it just life offers us opportunities, right? Like I said, for me as a mother, just having children is an opportunity for me to have a worried thought about what is going to happen to my children, right? Business owners, you have a business. That is an opportunity for you to get up every day and either have faith thoughts or fearful thoughts, right? What about the customers? What about the employees? What about the taxes? All these questions will present themselves because we're living in a natural, you know, environment. But all the limits get taken off. You can rise up to the level that God made you to be if you can take the limits off of your thinking. What limits us most in our thinking is worry thoughts. But we will all have opportunity just in life. We don't even have to face a crisis. You understand. How many of you realize I don't even have to face a crisis to know that worry is going to try? It's going to try and come. So just in my daily life, the devil is going to present me opportunity. If I'm thinking about it, I'm worrying about it. If you're continually thinking about what you're going to have to pay the government, if you're continually thinking about where's the money going to come from, if you're continually thinking about well, you know, they just diagnosed my auntie with this, this issue and, and my other family with this issue. If you're constantly thinking about what they're facing and the sickness that maybe others have said, if you're continuing that, then you know you're worried about it. Yeah. You're worried about it. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up, though, that you found yourself in that habit. The first step is to recognize it. Yeah. Acknowledge it. Yeah. Catch yourself. You know, I've gone weeks and then realize, oh, now I need to fish myself out of the hole with the help of the Holy Ghost because I've been thinking about something, being trying to be a, a, a good, you know, dedicated, conscientious, right? Responsible. Don't, under the guise of responsibility, be thinking about things that you should have cast over to the Lord. Why don't we go there? Why, let's go to Second Peter or First Peter. And sometimes we can, out of the, the disguise of I'm being responsible, I'm being diligent, right? I'm being, I'm being dedicated. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm just being a good steward. Well, God has giving, given me this opportunity. Well, he didn't give it to you for you to tend to it. He gave it to you for you to draw on his anointing, his power, uh, his provision, and his wisdom. Yes, you're a steward of it, but thinking about it isn't stewardship. We say it's failureship. You're failing to take his thoughts because you're so consumed with your thoughts about what he gave you. Yeah. What he gives you. Yeah. Parents, he gives you these children. 
He has thoughts about these children that you should be thinking about your children. He has thoughts. If he told you to start a business, he has right thoughts about that business. He has right thoughts about your job. He has right thoughts about your marriage. And your re only responsibility is to find out his thoughts, not to find out how to figure out through your own thoughts what to do. My sole responsibility is find his thoughts. Get up every day, Morgan, and say, what is, isn't that what the centurion said to Jesus? Speak the word only. You remember that? Speak the word only. Speak the word only. I said this in Fireball. It takes getting up every day, especially when you're facing something that you need to make, you know, you need an answer on, or you need uh, to have the power of God in manifestation. He needed the power of God in manifestation, but he wasn't, wasn't even a Jew. But he knew enough to come and say, speak the word only. That has not changed. That, that divine order has not changed. So when I get up and I'm facing something, I had to learn to teach myself to say, speak the word only. Telling myself this. Not my spouse, myself. Morgan, speak the word only. Morgan, just speak the word only only speak the word only when was the last time you said you know what to yourself speak the word only and this situation will be taken care of speak the word only and my body will be healed speak the word only and my family is kept you know when worried thoughts come about my children you know what i i pray over them just what pastor nancy taught me they're kept by the power of god that's what the scripture says. We are kept by the power of God. I thank you. They're, I plead the blood of Jesus. They're covered by the blood. And I thank you that they're kept by the power of God. And they, So when worried thoughts come, it's not, well, what are they doing today? You know, now I'm not a careless parent. They don't go where they want. They don't do what they want. You know, I don't give them a device and say, plead the blood of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know. Blood of Jesus doesn't make up for absentee, you know. You don't watch whatever you want to watch and then plead the blood of Jesus. You don't, that's not how that works. See, this is unto holiness. It says that we be not be conformed living holy. So if you're giving opportunity for something that's unholy to be there, then you're, now you're tempting God. You're tempting him. You know, we teach our children, you're not going to go out. Now, I know saying boys will be boys and girls can be just as crazy too but we teach them you're not going to do foolish things and tempt the power of god to keep you we can have a good time we can do fun things but my father-in-law used to talk about that people tempting god saying well you know believers there's no such there's no business for you to take the anointing and the call on your life and go do something foolish with it, saying, oh, God's going to keep me. The power of God's going to keep me. Yeah. You're trying to tempt what he has provided for you to its fullest extent. Yeah. You know, he's, and I'll use this as an example, and I'm not saying it thus saith the Lord, but he'd say, you know, people want to bungee jump. What are you going to do, take all the gifts and callings that God's put in your life and go jump it off a bridge, you know? Do you remember him saying stuff like that? Vaguely, yeah, he would say stuff like that, you know. And so uh, 
I'm not saying don't bungee jump, okay? I'm just using that as an example. Uh, but you do. You can't take a risk and then expect, well, the power of God will keep me. What did the Holy Ghost say to you? How did he deal with your, you know, following the Spirit will keep you and allow you uh, to have, live a, a wonderful, joyful, happy life without putting you in any kind of dangerous place where you're going to have to have an emergency call on the power of God. So I know this, I can speak that over my children, but I'm going to be a mindful, I still am their parent. Part of their supply in their life is me as a parent, right? That's part of the power of God in manifestation for my children is me as their parent. That's divine order. Divine order is they have, you know, a mom and a dad or whichever parent is, is, is around. That's divine order. So God expects me to take my place in divine order and my authority in divine order if I'm going to call on his power to be in divine order, right? So you can't just, you know, uh, that's, that's being complacent. Faith is not complacent. Faith is not lazy. Faith does not pass it off on somebody else. And it certainly doesn't, faith doesn't pass its responsibility off on God. It puts the demand on God, but faith people, they know what their responsibility is. My responsibility is when I hear the word, and I said this in Pharaoh, faith people hear when the word of God is preached, faith people hear actions. Complacent believers hear words. Faith people, every time the word is preached, they always hear an action. They always hear an instruction. They always hear what to do. They always hear what to correct. They, faith people hear instruction that leads to an action. Do you hear the word and are listening for instruction and an action? Because again, faith comes by hearing. But you have all, so many people sit in church every week with faith being built up in their heart and it's never released. God, the way God manifests himself on this earth is through faith people releasing his power. He doesn't just show up and manifest and do spectacular things apart from man. That's not, that's not the first, that's not his highest and best. His highest and best is to flow through man, and they receive the blessing of their obedience. God is about seed time and harvest. He's looking for you to sow seeds of obedience so you can reap the harvest from those seeds. He doesn't want to work apart from you. He wants to work with you so that you can see the reward from allowing him to work through you. There's rewards to be taken. There's rewards to be harvested, and he wants you to harvest those. He's not wanting it to just, that, that harvest is out there. And if you won't take it, as my father said, if you won't take it, somebody else will show up, and they will take the harvest that belongs to you. I do not want to get to heaven and know that somebody else, some of you may have heard the story of uh, my, my mother-in-law's story when she had been married to my father-in-law for a few short years, uh, she she had gone to ORU. She had gotten born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, by this time, her siblings had all gotten, they were raised in a denominational church. They had all gotten born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, here she, she is uh, marrying 
barely born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, marrying a, a prophet, somebody who's in it. She didn't know anything about a prophet. She didn't know what a prophet was. You know, she said, we had pastors, I think barely that, you know, and, the, and she said, and the Baptists had evangelists and pastors. And she gets married and she begins to quickly develop in the things of God because of her hunger. She was hungry for the things of God. So when others, uh, big time faith ministers saw, you know, my father-in-law's ministry was a worldwide ministry on the forefront, uh, very well known in word of faith uh, and, and charismatic circles. Uh, he, he was on the forefront of things. Marked by miracle signs and wonders already, you know, by the 70s and 80s, phenomenal miracles had taken place in his ministry and he marries this girl, you know, a beauty queen who just <laughs> barely, you know, is born again and many were critical, but her hunger, God sees, God saw her hunger. But as she's progressing and she talks about how God began to deal with her on things that she was omitting to do. She's yeah. doing all these things in the ministry, serving him faithfully, and she's omitting certain things and she has a dream and she sees herself in the dream dead in a you know in a coffin and when she wakes up god says and deals with her about what she's needing to do what she's omitting and he's saying because of the anointing and what's on your husband's life i need you to do this in order for that ministry to be fulfilled and he talked to her and said and if you don't you know, you will die prematurely, and I've already got somebody else lined up, and she's taller than you to take your place. He already had, because the call, because he works through men, right? He works through man. He had an assignment on her life as well as his, but her first priority was things that she needed to be doing to help him fulfill his call. So what was it? God had somebody lined up that was going to participate if she was not going to obey. We know this. She obeyed. She's sincere. She's hungry. But she says what she really says was it showed her, and of course she got sermons out of it, she saw the importance, right? And the how, how severe uh, and how significant it is that we obey and we respond and we cooperate with everything God's telling us to because he's got to work through us. He's got to work. And he already had somebody else lined up to receive a harvest because they were going to cooperate. Well, we know this. She's receiving the harvest of all those years, right? What a great example. We're way off topic. Okay. (laughs) Y'all are just pulling it right out. Look here, 1 Peter chapter 7, or chapter 5, verse 7, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, concerns once and for all on him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Look at verse 8, be well balanced. Well balanced. I like that description. Well balanced. How you respond to others, I notice this. When I respond more sharply, more harshly, and more impatiently with people around me, I'm imbalanced. 
I'm not full, and it's usually from a place of I'm worrying about something. For me, just being honest, if I'm responding to my husband, to my children, uh, to those around me in an anxious way, in a sharp way, you know, in a, uh, an abrupt way, the first place, when I recognize him, the first place I look is number one, I'm empty, but number two, there's usually something I'm worrying about. And what happens is people interrupt. I mean, you've been there. They interrupt your thoughts. You're thinking and you're thinking and you're trying to figure out something. And why do, we, why do we respond sharply with our kids? Why do we respond sharply? Because they're interrupting our thought process of us thinking and trying to figure out what we need to do with this situation. And we get, we get sharp with people. We get harsh. I always check myself. Well, you need to evaluate your love walk. Sometimes it's not your love walk, it's your thought life. You know, if your thought life was right, the love would flow. The flow of love is in there. We oftentimes know enough about love, but we've not dealt with this bondage of worry. Worry keeps uh, the love of God from flowing out of your heart because you're so consumed with your mind. Does that make sense? You're so consumed with your thought life that even the love of God that's been shed abroad there that you know you need to be obeying. You know you need to be responding to, right? We all know that. Faith people know that faith works by love. So why am I struggling to respond in love? Why did yesterday it was easy to, to walk and respond in love, but today it's hard? Check your thought life. Today... You might be worrying and thinking more than you were yesterday. That's just me. You know, I noticed when the pressure was on for us to buy our home, the people wanted to take it back that we were buying it from. They were trying to take it back. They thought they legally, uh, at the end of a certain period of time, they would have. But I knew God had a miracle for us. God had something for us. Uh, by way of a miracle, by way of working through man and getting us what we were going to need. But we had to hold on. Faith people don't quit. Faith people don't look at the timeline. Okay? So as we're doing this, I notice I've got to walk in love. We've got to stay walking in love in our home in order for us to receive that miracle. But I would catch myself, especially in the evening after all day, working on paperwork, all day of the demand on my faith, all day of hearing no, 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 it's not going to happen. What would happen? At night, sure enough, you know, I'd get sharp or impatient with my husband, and I would recognize I'm taking a thought. I'm giving in to the worry. I'm losing my peace, right? I'm losing my peace. One of the most significant signs of peace that's been lost or not yielded to is how we treat one another. How, why, why do we see people even in the world being so ugly to one another? They have no peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. If they don't have Jesus, they don't have peace. Peace is the absolute insurance on your faith. What is insurance? Insurance is, is when you buy something, you know, at Target, some kind of electronic, and they say, do you want to buy the insurance? What is that? That if it breaks, you have insurance to bring it back, a warranty to bring it back, that it'll be fixed. 
That's exactly what peace is. That if something goes off in your life, peace is the insurance that says, oh, Father, you're going to fix it. Here it is. I cast it to you and you will take care of it because you care about me. Peace is the insurance on your life of faith. Cash in on it. If you are not cashing in on, if you're not taking it back to where you got it from, what God provided for you, if you're not taking it back to him, then you're holding on to it and you have a broken item in your possession. Why are believers' finances broken? Why are their bodies broken? Because they never took it back with the insurance from the Prince of Peace that he's going to take care of it. Amen? So we must cast the care. I don't even know how long I've been going here. (laughs) So worry places more value, time, and effort on human thoughts than God's thoughts. You're telling God, as Pastor Nancy says, you're telling God he's not enough. That's what worry does. It tells God, you're not enough. I'm enough to figure this out. And you're not enough. Your wisdom is not enough. The God, he's the God of all wisdom. Amen. Um, So what do we do? Romans says, verse 12 says, be transformed. The first thing we're to do is to focus on transformation. Don't focus on getting rid of worried thoughts. Focus on getting and gaining God's word. It's an exchange, okay? If you're trying to get rid, my, my, my dad, we had a well. I don't know if you guys have wells here. Do y'all have wells? or Most people probably have city water, but there are wells. So growing up, we had a well. They all would go straight down. We lived in, you know, growing up in Florida, north central Florida, way in the country. Everybody that lived, uh, I knew very few people that had city water. Most everybody had a well because most everybody lived outside of town. And with that well, uh, there was a filter that the water would go through in order to get into the house. Um, and this filter was not flat. It was like a round, you know, filter looking thing. And we'd have to change the filter every, you know, so often because of what was in the water. It wasn't bad water. I still prefer well water, spring water. I don't understand this purified stuff. It's not really, you know, I don't like the the taste of it. Uh, But as you would take and put in that filter, the water would run through that, come into the house, and it would get out some of the hardness. We had lime, you know, we lived on Lime Rock Road. Uh, In order for the water to come up, it would come up through, you know, certain layers, you know, and so it would filter some of that stuff out, the dirt, the sand. Well, every so often, the water pressure to the house, we'd notice we wouldn't have any water pressure. The only downside living on a well is when the power goes out, you have no water. (laughs) City folks always had the water. So when the hurricanes would come, we'd have to fill up our bathtub, fill up jugs in order to have water because if the power went out, country people couldn't get water. We could go down to the river, okay, and bathe. and you know get water to boil but you really had to fill up what you had in your home because when the power went out you it depended on electricity to pump that water to your home 
So my dad, every so often, the water pressure, you go to turn the water on and it kind of, you know, and a little bit would come out. And I remember as a child being like, oh my gosh, you know, our, <laughs> your house is broken. Our house is broken. <laughs> and my dad would come home and he'd go out and he'd pull out the round filter that was hanging. He'd look at the water pressure, he'd pull out the round filter, and lo and behold, there's ants in the filter. And the ants affected the water pressure. They would get in there, they were looking for water. We had fire ants in Florida, we had fire ants. I think they kind of made their way out here. Um, but there were fire ants, and my dad would have to pull out that filter, and he'd, what, all he would do wasn't a complicated process. You didn't even need to get a new filter. Listen to this. You didn't even get, need to get a new filter. He would take and he would hose out all the ants. I remember helping him hose out, and you'd see all the, you know, <laughs> here they come. And he'd hose out the ants, get everything cleared out, check it, and put it back in. And what would happen? Water pressure. This is what happens with our thought life. My dad did not go out and one by one, you know, pick out each little ant, you know, try to. He didn't get us kids out there with our little fingers, me and my sister, to pick out the ants. He would just take that water and flood that thing and keep hosing and hosing and hosing and hosing till every ant had come out of there. And he was confident to put that back in. This is what we need to do with our thought life. This is how we're transformed is when things are not flowing into our life. You take the washing of the water of the word and you've got to flood. Don't try to pick out, oh, I keep thinking wrong about that. I keep having a worried thought about that. I keep struggling with this thought. I keep struggling with this thing that's coming to my mind. Stop trying to pick it out and focusing on what, what doubt is in your thought life. Displace it with the word of God. If you'll fill up on the word, it'll displace the doubt. And you don't even have to focus on, the devil always wants you to focus on how much faith you don't have how empty you think you are. If you'll fill up, it'll displace the emptiness. Doubt is simply uh, an empty place in your life that you're not full of God. That's all that is. If I fill up with his word, if I take the washing of the water of the word and I hose out all that stuff that's affecting the flow of God's power, the pressure. There's always power flowing to you because you've got Christ right. on the inside right. of you. You've got life on the inside of yeah. you. Yeah. You're never without. You are never without. Yeah. But we decide the amount of the flow that's coming into our life. Yeah. If you have a great need, what do you need? A great flow. Get the word and start dealing with yeah. filling up and washing your mind. Yeah. Notice you don't need a new mind. You can take the one you have and transform it. We didn't need a new filter. He just needed to get in there and transform and change and get out what didn't belong in there. And you know something? It was immediate. Immediately we would have water. I'm telling you, God, the more your mind is transformed, the quicker the manifestation, the quicker and more immediately things can flow because you don't have the bondage of worry holding you back and hindering his flow. Worry simply hinders God's flow. Amen.
five senses, your five senses facilitate and aid in the progression of worried thoughts. Your five senses aid and facilitate a progression of worried thoughts. You've got to get out of your five senses. What you can see, what you can hear, what you can touch, what you can't. Listen, I love something my husband says last week. Your five senses don't know faith. Your five senses don't know faith. Your spirit man knows faith. You make your five senses obey faith. Don't look to them for faith. Amen? Faith, and we'll close with this, faith is a substance. Well, my five senses can't see that substance. If we could see into the spirit realm, because faith is a spiritual substance, if you could see into the spirit realm, the spirit realm senses can hear faith, see I guarantee you, every time you say, I am healed, if we could pull the veil back on the spirit realm, which is the eternal realm, I guarantee you we could see those words says Jesus was the word made flesh you could see I guarantee you you can healing has a sweet smell to it in the spirit realm they said heaven is full of the most beautiful they said one of the things when people go to heaven they smell it smells the senses are completely different than they are here faith is a substance that is in full manifestation in the spirit realm don't look to your five senses to confirm. If you keep looking, if you keep acting out of your five senses, it'll facilitate worried thoughts because they'll never confirm what God says to you. Never. Amen? So my job, we're to be faith, faith people. How do we, how many of y'all know, how, many do we, how, how do we please God? What pleases God? By faith. It's impossible to please him. Yeah. Our life, if you say you've given him your heart, but you listen, you haven't given him your mind, you've not given him everything. When you get born again, you give him your heart. But from then on, Romans chapter 12 is our number one assignment. I do not want to get to heaven and say, God, I gave you my heart. We don't sing, God, I give you my heart. You already gave it to him. We got born again. If you haven't given him your mind, you've not really given him all. If you haven't given him your thought life, that, that goes for all of us, preachers included, yeah, right? That's right? We all, in all order for us to please God by faith, we have to give him our thought life. Amen. Well, I hope that helped you this morning. Did anyone come this morning? I wanted to minister. Anyone come and you've got sickness pain in your body and you want to have hands laid on you is there anyone that came this morning i just want to give opportunity for the healing anointing to go into your body go ahead and stand with me to your feet is there anyone in here and you say i've got pain in my body and i want to have hands laid on me i want to come to receive the anointing into my body anyone at all before we close let's just lift our hands father we thank you for your word we receive it I thank you for this precious congregation that's moving ahead by faith. Father, the word is an incorruptible seed. And we say it went into their hearts. 
Father, the fruit remains. 